Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Um, So this week, well, I guess it was last week. um, Anyway, there was a young man, young uh, black teenager who's driving his family's uh, car through a neighborhood in Sanford, Florida, and um, was angrily approached uh, allegedly by two white men uh he uh, was they accused him allegedly of street racing and mm-hmm. um one of them hit the side of the car with an orange cone and the other one threw a rock a stone through the teenager's car and shattered a window anyway um the two men were were arrested uh, but there were things it's just re- reminiscent of years, almost decades gone by of uh, get out of my neighborhood. Um, you don't belong here. Um, and, and so how much progress have we made? What were the circumstances? We don't know everything, obviously, but we do want to kind of examine the situation. So we are pleased to bring back uh, Dr. Jeremy Levitt, who is a professor at um, Florida A&M. Good morning. How are you, sir? Oh, dear. Okay. Um, We are supposed to have uh, uh, Professor Levitt on, and uh, I know we were having some technical issues before, so we're going to try to get him on. But anyway... Um, the people that were accused of uh, mistreating uh, the the young teen's name is Jermaine Jones. Uh, they were named Howard Hughes, 61, and this is a actually a Washington Post. So this made national news. Washington Post um, article: Howard Hughes, 61, Donald Corsi, 52, arrested on felony charges charges of criminal mischief with property damage. Um, Hughes also faces a misdemeanor charge of battery, and Corsi has been charged with felony weapons offense of throwing a deadly, quote, missile into a vehicle. Um, Hughes or Corsi um, have not responded to comment so far. Um, But uh, anyway, what are your thoughts? And if you heard about the story, if you saw the video, because the teen um, uh, was smart enough to record some of what happened, um, if you saw this, and also, too, we would like to try to, if, if possible, get the teen on the show at some point to talk about what happened. So, um, you know, if, if anybody uh, is listening and, and knows him, ask him to please reach out to us here on the show. But um, in the meantime, what are your thoughts? The number is 516-387-1944. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. I want to try to track down um, Dr. Levitt and uh, get back to you. So um, this is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Having a wedding reception. 
wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event, need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, we are talking about the incident involving um, the young teen, uh, Jermaine Jones, recently, um, which uh, he even said kind of put him in mind of uh, the Trayvon Martin. Well, put a lot of people in mind of the Trayvon Martin case. Um, and so, uh, Dr. Jeremy Levitt, are you with us? Gretchen, you have me, but he just got into the system. I'll go ahead. Oh, I was going to talk, but but I see him in the system, so I will bow out, and you go ahead and welcome him to the show. Thank you, Madam Princess. Appreciate that. And good morning, Dr. Levitt. How are you doing? Good morning. It's been a long morning already. <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. But we're here. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes. Yeah, we, we you know, we, get, we muddle through. <laughs> we muddle through, so... Um, tell me what you know of the incident of involving um, Jermaine Jones and the uh, two men that are, you know, are accused of um, attacking, you know, his his car, his vehicle, um, and, and probably his peace of mind. Needless to say. Well, I mean, you want me to run through the facts with you, or was there something specific? Sure, because um, I know some people, um, I don't know where they were hiding, but some people had not heard about it. So, yes, let's let's go through it a little bit. Well, essentially this is uh, uh, the area of Sanford, Lake Forest, um, uh, Magnolia Plantation, I believe, is the community. And, um, you know, the two victims, are their names are Jermaine Jones and Bailey Kennedy. They're both minors. And they were uh, speeding, speeding down a cul-de-sac. Uh, and um, uh, one of the, the perpetrators, Howard Hughes, and the other, Donald Corsi, kind of flagged them down and told them they couldn't speed. And the young African-American male was driving. Mm-hmm. And he apologized. Mm-hmm. And um, when he came back down, uh, you know, the street, um, I, I guess he parked at a friend's house, and he, he, uh, they were there to visit friends. It's a gated community, so someone has to kind of buzz you in to get in. And so uh, when they tried to kind of move back down the street, um, the two uh, uh, arrestees, Corsi and Hughes, tried to block their car with a traffic cone and uh, smashed part of the vehicle with the traffic cone. Uh, and, 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 and this was on the driver's uh, side passenger window. Um, uh, and then um, obviously uh, when, when the young man slowed down and he tried to kind of leave the cul-de-sac, these guys tried to block the car. Uh, and one of them threw a boulder through the vehicle, uh, through the back window. Once the car stopped and slowed down, um, there's some discrepancy of whether the victims were in the car when it was thrown or not, but law enforcement seems to side with the the victims here. The the one white uh, uh, gentleman, Bailey Kennedy, got out, and there was some altercation. He was hit with a cone uh, in the abdomen area, and, uh, you know, there were a couple of witnesses. The young man got out of the car, the black male, and began taping it, right, recording it, uh-huh. and um, captured it all on. And, and the two um, the two assailants were, um, after a Seminole County Sheriff arrived on the scene, they investigated, I guess, looked at video. And it, within about two and a half hours on the scene, uh, the – um, individuals that uh, you know where the aggressors were arrested. Now, 
One of them um, uh, had his wife present as well, and they were making all kinds of statements, racialized statements, you don't belong here, this is not your community. There was kind of a statement about a gun. When he asked whether one of them had a gun, the young African-American male, she was like, you know, you'd be the one with the gun, kind of that coded, you know, racist language. And so uh, Donald Corsi was arrested for damage to property and criminal mischief over $1,000, which is a felony, and then a uh, uh, weapon offense missile in the dwelling, meaning when you throw something through a, a car shield or a window, uh, that's another you know felony charge. And then the, uh, Mr. Hughes was uh, arrested for damage uh, property, criminal mischief, same thing, over $1,000 a felony, and battery touch or strike to a minor. So both men were arrested and both of them uh, bailed out. But this has kind of caught, you know, uh, national and and, and global attention because it's kind of a Trayvon Martin meets Ahmed Arbery style situation. It could have gotten out of hand very easy with, you know, two white men and a white woman who felt entitled to control, you know, the sovereignty of a young black male and his friend in the vehicle. Now you you mentioned Magnolia Plantation. Is Magnolia Plantation in the Sanford area where you know there have uh, it seems that there may have been other problems in in Sanford? But um, I was just curious because there's a Magnolia Plantation I know of that is kind of maybe in the Heathrow area, which I, 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 I am me personally I've always had a problem with <laughs> naming something a plantation and think it's all right. But you know. so you must have a problem with, with half of America then. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Because the majority of this country uses the word plantation in one place or another, right? But Right. But uh, they, right. They, they, but, they certainly they certainly treated him like he was on a plantation, that's for certain. Right. Well, I I'm talking about places now that deliberately name subdivisions, you know, and, and other things with plantation and thinking that you know and, and kind of romanticizing it, which, you know, there's a certain segment of the population that that has a positive thing for them, and there's a certain segment that it isn't. So, right. Um, well, yeah. Negroes live in that community where this happened, so they're, uh-huh. they're choosing to live on the plantation uh, very clearly. And what's interesting is I know a real estate agent who was showing property in that community uh, to uh-huh. a black couple, and the black couple pulled out when they heard that this occurred. So, um, you know, I, I, I uh, and there are some prominent African Americans that live in the same community. Uh, uh-huh. but they've been very, they've been very muted in terms of this, uh-huh. uh, this situation. Yeah, and I mean, in these days, it's just interesting to me how you know whether someone belongs in the neighborhood. It's not like people are really neighborly like they used to be. Uh, you know, there's there's maybe a select couple of people that you know and the rest of them you know our our society is so transient now people don't necessarily stay in places long enough to to get to know them you know so uh but yeah i heard the lady and i'm so glad that the young man had presence of mind to start recording i i really am uh otherwise it's a kind of you know his word against theirs and and you just never know how that's going to turn out but um anyway so there's been a little bit of tossed around about uh, hate crime charges. Is there uh, enough in this case that would uh, make uh, to, to, to elevate charges to hate crime charges? Well, I mean, so so we, you know, kind of in popular culture, we we hear these words and we think that. They're powerful or more meaningful than crimes on the books. So, for example, you may want to call something a genocide, right? When you know the more important crime might be murder, right? It might be a crime against humanity. And so, here, hate crimes. There is a there is a hate crime statute in the state of Florida. Um, I I think that you know my reading of the uh, hate crime statute is that it could potentially fit within that, but there probably needs to be 
uh, more facts substantiated in terms of the level of of, uh, of aggression used and some some more demonstration of I think um, racialized behavior um, and and that's the that's the hard thing with proving race crimes right because you can't you can't read people's minds so you have to look at their overall behavior and here I think it's a grayer I think if you had someone really um, searching they could probably find based on the charges that have been levied you have violence uh, you have uh, you know in my view they should have levied uh, child abuse charges on these individuals maybe even kind of false imprisonment because of the way in which the vehicles were allegedly stopped um, but hate crimes are, are harder to prove the definition is lucid, though, under Florida law. Um, certainly, we know it's a type of hate crime, right? And that's the frustrating thing. We know that racial bias plays a role here. And the question is, you know, how do you how do you prove that? You know, how do you demonstrate that? And that's always a challenge that we have. Right, because you say you don't belong here. What you know? I mean, I know what I think of when I hear it. Um, I know what other, mm-hmm. some other people think of when you hear that, but I mean, so but how can you determine whether or not it was meant in a racist connotation versus I know the people in my neighborhood, I know the behavior of the people in my neighborhood. You aren't a part of my neighborhood. Ergo, you don't belong here. So. Mhm. Mhm. So how well, do you make that? Well, you gotta you gotta look at the facts of the crime. So for, you know, Florida statute seven seventy five point zero eight five, you know, evidencing prejudice while committing an offense, you know, it requires that first, um, you know, there's there's misdemeanor or fel- felony evidence of prejudice based on race and color, ancestry, ethnicity, religion, orientation, national origin, homelessness, status, and age. And then you have to kind of go down the criteria. And here the one that would apply is when a personal organization that uh, uh, can establish by clear and convincing evidence that it has been coerced, intimidated, or threatened in violation of this section um, and that individual would have a civil cause of action for uh, for treble damages. Um, so, so it gives it gives a, a remedy for this um, if you can demonstrate that the behavior had some racial connotations. It's a hard thing to prove though when you're using language like "you don't belong here" and "get out of here." It's like one of those things we all know what it means. But the way that white people have written laws in this country is short of you using the N-word, it doesn't count, right? So there'd have to be some reference to his race or his color uh, for it to fit in uh, to, uh, to, to the statute. So it's a, it's a harder thing to prove. And, and if the uh, felonies that they have now stick, you know, they're going to serve some time in jail as long as the state's attorney does his or her job come at this from another perspective with um, the young man. Yes, he he admits, from what I understand, that he was in the wrong in terms of maybe doing a little speeding or whatever. However, were there, other than that, were there things that, from what you know, that he did that may have brought on some of this venom that he got from the neighbors? Other than no, the- I mean, the white kid was kind of hanging out the window. He was just speedy. And you know, listen, when you're when you're middle aged like I am, and you got young kids speeding, uh, and you're in a private community, uh, mm-hmm. and there are small kids around, uh, you know, quite frankly, it pisses you off. And um, and so, you know, no matter who it is, you're going to want to say something. Now the question is, do you go beyond that? Right, and here, um, had the driver been white, I doubt very much that they would try and stop the vehicle, smash it with the cone, hit the passenger with the cone, uh, throw a boulder through the back window. This is a Mercedes, by the way. Right. <laughs> right. I, I I doubt that 
white people treat each other that way in that community. He was clearly racially an other, and they treated him as another. Uh, they treated him like he was on a plantation. And um, that kind of visceral reaction, right, we need to control this young black man, I think is something that is so deeply psychological and so deeply woven into the social psychology of America that white people do it naturally. And um, and I think this is an example of them going way too far with their white privilege and um, getting caught up. The, the two uh, sheriffs that, that actually made the arrest, I think they were uh, minorities. Uh, they The criticism is they took too long, and maybe they did, but, but uh, certainly when you have to look at and review evidence and consult, um, the sheriff's office in Seminole County, who I've spoken to about this, seem confident in their charging and, and in their you know, investigation into this, and they're continuing to investigate that. Uh, and I've, you know, I got that on high from Sheriff Lima himself. They're continuing to look at it. So, um, you know, we have to be fair to the perpetrators. You know, that's the nature of our justice system. But they clearly went overboard. They clearly went overboard, and they got put into a jail, uh, which probably shook up their world. We have also, as an organization, as a racial justice organization, you know, we have written to um, uh, the Gilcrest uh, Inc., the employers of one of the two perpetrators, and uh, uh-huh. we're happy to find out that that, uh, that individual was fired from their job. And now we're pursuing the other individual. We, we, we not only want them to, uh, to pay the criminal uh, uh, penalty for this, but we want them to pay the social penalty, which is when you are willing to commit acts against innocent black people, there are people now who are willing to hold you accountable. And uh, we're one of those organizations that will do that. So the, uh, the second individual is a, runs a, a fairly successful general contracting firm. And so mm-hmm. we'll, be reaching, we'll be reaching out to those that he's contracted with in the past uh, and others to, to encourage them not to do any further business with this individual. On top of the civil litigation that will go forward with, you know, the victim's uh, attorneys, you know, mm-hmm. who will, I'm sure be suing these individuals and maybe even the homeowners association. I, I, it's it's just really just still troubling that we are still just it's like nothing really changed except location, just you know. Um, and the thing that gets me too is like uh, you have these people, you have homeowners, okay, uh, people like you said with these different jobs and stuff like that. So under regular normal daily circumstances. They're responsible people, or so you think, right? They have bills to pay. You know, they have homes to maintain. They have reputations supposedly to maintain in order to gain business. How do you, with such a minor incident, and and yes, unfortunately, there could have been, you know, something that worse that could have come out of it. There could have been a child involved when um, this young man was speeding down the road. child could have gotten hurt or killed. That is a possibility, yes. But there's a way to handle that, and you as a mature adult is supposed to know how to address. You talk to people first. You just don't go ranting at someone and then grab, I mean, or come at the first thing you do is grab something and then come at the person. You know, you don't do that. <laughs> you know, uh, you're supposed to know better. Better, And if you think, if you are feel, feeling threatened, then you call authorities first. But you don't take matters like that in your own hands. Could have been worse. Uh didn't want it to be worse. Thank God it wasn't worse. But what if this young man wasn't a uh, level-headed young man and had had a weapon and decided to retaliate? Mm -hmm. It could could have been much worse. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. 
yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is a problem. You know, it, it's 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 one of those circumstances where you know we could have been talking about a potential funeral again for a young black yeah. male, and um, yeah. uh, we talk around the issues, right? We don't ever really talk to the issues. Yeah, and and that's important. There there has to be because. These types of situations don't get diffused until there is ample dialogue in the community about how I feel about you, how I feel about, uh, you know, I guess the history of our relationship, uh, black and white, whatever, you know, how I feel about uh, this, where, where it should go, what it should be. Um, and then we have people um, I won't name names, but we have people that tend to exacerbate situations to even the point on a national scale. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of we. there's not enough. I don't feel like there's not enough people that are engaging in, you know, p- critical but positive conversation about race relations. Um, we we, we kind of want to hush, hush and say, you know, everything's okay and there's there's an incident here or there, but what is actually these incidents are indicative of of feelings that are bubbling to the surface that have been suppressed and need to be dealt with because you can't move forward if you're still holding on to wounds uh, of the past and wounds of the present. They have those issues have to be resolved. So, Dr. Levitt, what do you think will happen um, from this point? Yes, hi. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did I lose you for a minute? I'm sorry about that. You, you, lo- you lost me for a minute, then I was talking to myself because I was on mute. So you had, uh... <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please, yeah, I'm, I'm... please continue. Well, what, what I was saying is, is that I think that um, we have to just really be honest about dealing with what the real issues are. And we, we develop all these safety valves and mechanisms and and, and processes and and um, mechanisms and structures to deal with what the real issue is, which is the, the prejudicial behavior, the anti-black behavior and attitudes of white people and white men. And so there is no defeating racism. There is no making major gains until white men wake up and decide that they want to change their values and their behavior as it relates to African-Americans and other people. I'm not concerned with everybody else, okay? Every group has their own representatives and constituencies, um, and I'm empathetic to the plight of other people. But my concern and our organizational focus is, is to protect black life and liberty. And that's broad because the black community is, is the most diverse community in the country, no one has the color and ethnic diversity that we have or the language uh, diversity that we have in our communities. And so that's a big enough job. And, and uh, what we try and do is create the conversations with white men so that they can have conversations with other white men, uh, because that's really what the problem is, right? You can have all the legislation and litigation, but you can't legislate or litigate character and values, and uh, as you see with the, the hearings on the January 6th insurrection, you see uh, we have a problem in the country with violent white extremism and violent white uh, vigilantism is what we saw uh, the first steps of in the Jermaine Jones case. This was white vigilantism, uh, uh, no different than what we saw with uh, Mark, uh, with, uh, with Zimmerman and with um, – the murders of Ahmed Arbery, right? What do they all have in common? And when we talk about this, we also got to talk about the Latino factor, right? Because there are there are white Latinos that identify as white who have the same, if not more, anti-black bias. And because we bought into this, I think, um, uh, notion of people of color, we tend to give people of color a pass. Uh, when they discriminate 
and we have to stop doing that. We have to really key in on what the real issues are. Look at the, the killings that we're seeing around the country and take a look at the type of Latino violence against black people that we're seeing. It's not insignificant. It is statistically significant, and we need to pay attention to it. So what do you think uh, are the next steps, especially for this young man? Uh, how is he supposed to, to move forward from this? Because, like I said, I know there's, there has to be some trauma. He may just brush it off. He's been, from what I've seen, this few couple of interviews that I've managed to see, um, upset but, you know, very calm, you know, demeanor, relaxed demeanor to a point. But he's got to be suffering inside, and it, it, not just by the incident, but now it's all of this attention that's being drawn to it. So how does he move forward? Well, like all of us do, right? You pull up your pants, you pull up your boots. If he needs some psychological counseling, his parents need to, get, need, need to get him some. These young men are not built like men in my generation. So, you know, uh, they tend to be more emotive, uh, more sensitive, uh, more in tune with their emotions, right? And so counseling uh, is is probably going to be important to him and, and getting the reassurance that he did the right thing. Uh, if he were my son, he would have got a whooping for all that speeding, okay? He would have got discipline for all that speeding, but that doesn't mean that he deserves to be treated like an escaped slave. And so um, uh, he needs to move forward and let this be a part of his calling. God chose him to experience this. God chose him to be patient and to be deliberate and to show the world what, what occurred in that community. He was selected, so he has to embrace that calling and figure out what else God wants him to do and have the strength and the insight and the humility to move forward with that. I could talk to you about so many other things right now, but I know you have to go. But well, you go. I, I mean, listen, you, you you got me. So if you if you have another okay. issue, let's 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 All keep right. going. Um, I, I I appreciate that. Because, but so let's take a quick break because we got pay bills. Um, <laughs> I'm here with Doctor Jeremy What kind, of, what kind of lunch y'all sending me? What kind of lunch y'all sending me? Y'all sending me some lunch? I, I, okay. <laughs> Right. I'll have to work on that next time. So, But uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're here with Dr. Jeremy Levitt. If you have questions for Professor Levitt, the number is 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Dr. Jeremy Levitt. We were pleased to have him back with us. He is a professor at FAMU and um, also with the Stono Institute. And uh, before we go further, tell people a little bit about this, who didn't get a chance to listen last time about the Stono Institute. Well, the Stono Institute for Freedom and Justice and Security is a racial justice uh, nonprofit organization here based in Central Florida that does a few things. We mentor black uh, youth, uh, male youth and female youth. In fact, we'll, we'll take, we're taking a cohort of kids to West Africa who graduated from our Racial Justice Rights of Passage program. We're taking them to West Africa next month. Uh, we do police accountability. Anyone who has a problem with the police anywhere 
uh, in the state can call us at uh, 1-888-510. That's 1-888-510. And uh, we'll look at their complaint. If we feel like it's uh, valid and merit-based, uh, we file claims against law enforcement uh, officers who uh, break uh, the law and uh, police policy and standards. So, you know, that's that's a mainstay for us, which is trying to ensure the community has a voice when they feel like they're abused by law enforcement. We also train law enforcement in uh, race-conscious de-escalation. We train community members uh, in de-escalation training, uh, how to really deal with law enforcement when you're stopped and the things that you need to know, what your rights are, and how to handle the situation. Uh, kind of like the young man, Jermaine Jones, did a great job in that in that context. And then we have an anti-black hate program, which deals with issues like this, where we start to move on people who demonstrate uh, 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 anti-black hate in ways that use tactics that are um, best practices in the intel uh, and law enforcement community to try and do some early warning and prevention on, on violent white extremists uh, whether they're in law enforcement or whether they're in the, uh, they're civilians, those are the things that we do. Okay, so I, I just wanted to get clarity myself and, and uh, kind of uh, I guess reintroduce you to some and introduce you to others in terms of uh, what what the Stono Institute is about. So, um, I, I guess I, one of the things that I had wanted to talk to you about, and I'm not sure because it, it just came up on, on my radar, um, and I'm just having the technical issues, of course, but um, this is in regards to uh, former gubernatorial candidate um, Andrew Gilliam facing federal fraud and conspiracy charges. Um, that just came out, 21 counts. Um, this is on uh, WFTV. Uh, the uh, alert that came over, um, and it says um, Gillum and um, a lady named Sharon Letman Hicks, uh, who's listed as CEO of the National Black Justice Coalition, um, also mm-hmm. indicted. So, um, just was wondering, uh, do you think that? Uh, Mr. Gillum may be targeted because of maybe wanting to maybe prevent him from running again for governor? (laughs) I I don't know what the specific charges are against Gillum, um, and and I'd have to look at them. But, no, I mean, he he had his his chance to run. He blew it, Um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are charges against him. Uh, uh, first of all, he he, he, he'll, he he can never run again and galvanize the people like he did. Okay, he's been involved with too many other nefarious activities where he's lost credibility. So that's not even a question. Mm. He's not he's not a candidate that has any bona fides at this point. Um, it is very possible that he engaged in in illicit activity. He was living a double life. He was not honest with the public. My thing is, if you're if you're a member of the LGBTQ community uh, and you're running for the highest office in the state, you probably want to let the people know that uh, uh, and give them an opportunity to uh, vote for you based on your credentials, as opposed to having it be front and center of a scandal, right? Mm. And so, and so uh, that kind of behavior that he demonstrated, and that the 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 way in which uh, this went down, which, which, you know, my memory was that there was a white male prostitute involved and, and others. And, you know, the, the, there is a stream of consciousness of dishonesty that might be present in this character. I don't, I don't know. I met uh, Gillum uh, and uh, supported uh, him because I wanted to see a young brother do well, but I have not been impressed with what has come out since then. And, you know, if these charges are federal charges, they don't typically go after you unless there's something to them, right? And so uh, I think we just have to wait and see. He's entitled to a vigorous, zealous defense. Hopefully they're wrong. Uh, but but uh, you don't go after a former governor candidate, a former city mayor, 
uh, someone who almost won the governorship unless she got something. And so uh, I think we just have to we have to stay be stay tuned for that. Uh, and, 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 and hopefully uh, he and his family will be able to, to move beyond it at some point. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, to see um, a, young, a young black man get that close to the, the highest office in the state of Florida and then just uh, it seems like just different pieces of the, of the building block just seem to be falling apart. And like you say, in terms of his character, you have to question how how did he get as far as he got with the um, campaign, and then you know what what happened that uh, you know if if he was let's say maybe he had a certain strength of character up to a certain point, what was it that made him just you know turn the other way? So well, there's there's, there's yeah. certainly some deception there, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. your question is a great one. There's definitely some some deception that he's operated out of, right? And, um, you know, I think we're at a point in society where, um, you know, these charges are like charges that are white-collar, right? They probably all revolve around fundraising. Um, um, You know, when you talk about false statements and wire transfer, wire fraud, conspiracy, like these are all crimes of kind of dishonesty, and so um, my 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 assumption is is that this is the U.S. Attorney's Office that is uh, uh, the Justice Department um, are leveling these charges, and they don't make moves, especially a Democratic uh, uh, Justice Department is not going to make a move on Gillum unless there's some solid evidence there. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think he's in trouble, you know, looking at the snippets that I'm seeing here. These are not normal charges. Um, so let's, 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 let's pray for justice. If he's wrong in doing it, then he should, he should pay the, uh, the penalty. And if he's, uh, if he's being, uh, accused of something and it's, it's not true, then let's hope for justice on that side as well. So there's a story out. I don't know if you heard this one out of uh, Miami-Dade uh, about an, uh, an officer that's being investigated um, after a, a traffic stop. Um, and there's a video of him telling uh, a, a black man who was questioned, who questioned while he he was pulled over, said, "Quote: This is how you guys get killed out here, man." End quote. Um, had you heard about this? Yeah, I have, and I don't know. Um, you know, we're, we're we're in such a sensitive place. I don't know what the circumstances uh, that led up to that. Uh, yeah, was this just a traffic stop, or you know, uh, it uh, seems so. So this is the the story that I'm looking at because there are several um, uh, publications uh, out of the Union Bulletin. Uh, it says that um, the exchange, according to this article, uh, took place on the corner of Northeast 159th Street and 18th Avenue just before 9 a.m., I guess, last Wednesday. Um, as the guy, um, his name, his last name is Nicholas. I have to find his first name. Uh, Gerard Nicholas uh, was on his mm-hmm. way to work. According mm-hmm. to this article, it says um, Nicholas, at, uh, the officer asked Nicholas for his license, registration, and insurance, and says if he doesn't offer it up, you will not be going to work. Um, then, when Nicholas, de- according to this, doesn't immediately offer the documents, the officer makes uh, the statement, um, and then I guess Nicholas caught some of this. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, thank God if, if people, for the people that have presence of mind to to take video of stuff that's going on now because things that have been happening for years and decades are now are are, are now captured and and kind of gives justification to everything else that has gone on before. But um, anyway. So the cop is has been taken off, um, and I think he's been put on desk duty or something like that. 
pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, well. You know, listen. They're going to say, you know, if I'm the union rep, I'm going to say the statement was about seatbelts, right? People die from not wearing their seatbelts every day, right? So that, that's that's the that's the counter that I'm going to give if I'm working for the union. I'm the union lawyer. As, mm-hmm. a, as a human rights and, lawyer, you, you know, mm-hmm. you got a black man, you got an officer. I don't know if he's white or Latino. I assume that he's uh, he's, he's Latino. His last name is Perez. Is that is that correct? Uh, I'm looking for his name. Oh, yeah. Or is that the is that the investigating? That's uh, the interim police director, man. George Perez. Yeah. And you're right, though. By the way, it says Stedman Stahl, according to this article, president of the South Florida Benevolent Association, um, that he says of one of his quotes is, "People die from not wearing seatbelts every day." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> okay. they they always flip everything, right? They're they're experts at at flipping it, but. Here's the thing. Okay, so so Nicholas, a uh, young black man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is his age? Uh, is he is he middle aged black man or is he uh, a young, uh, younger black he, man? No, I don't think he's younger. I'm I'm looking for his age. Um, I, I caught a caught a quick picture of him. He doesn't look, you know, like a he's not a teenager. Not not from what I I can see. And they said he was on his way to work. Um, okay. Okay, so he so yeah. here's here's I have not seen the tape, and I hate to give judgment. I'd like to see the tape, but here here's the thing. Right. You got a black you got a black man, not wearing a seatbelt. He doesn't have a proper license tag. Doesn't have proper insurance. He's driving on a suspended license. He was not arrested at the scene where he could have been, right? And when the officer's mm-hmm. asking him for you know, his information, the brother's not providing it to him because he doesn't have it. He doesn't have legitimate information. So the cop mm-hmm. is getting hot-headed, hot-headed. He makes the flippant statement. People die from not, you know, uh, you guys get killed or whatever he said. You know, mm-hmm. that has racial connotations of all these police shootings of black men. It was the wrong thing to say. It's racialized. But the origin of the problem begins with the brother who shouldn't have been driving to begin with legally, Right. He had no right mm-hmm. to legally be driving, right? So we have to take ownership of, of, of the nonsense that we create, right? Part of the, one of the ways that you de-escalate conflict with law enforcement is that you make sure your papers are in order in the event that you're stopped. You can't stop being stopped. It's going to happen. You can get profiled and stopped, right? Or you can commit mm-hmm. a traffic violation and they can stop you. But make sure that your paper is in order. Now, uh, Nicholas may have been respectful. He can he, he has a right to ask the officer why he was stopped, and I'm sure that he wasn't hostile on the videotape. It doesn't seem like there's any allegation of him being hostile in any way. So for the officer to say what he said uh, uh, in the way that he said, you know, this is how you guys get killed out here, man, is and I don't know if the officer, again, what the race of the officer is. That might have something to do with the way in which he said what he said. Right. If it was a black mm-hmm. officer, we're going we're going to read it differently than if it's a white officer. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Because if it's a black officer, you know, we're going to read it like he's trying to look out for Nicholas. If it's a white officer, we're going to look at it like he's trying to threaten Nicholas. Right. So this kind of binary psychology of how we look at things it has merit because this is the way the history of the country has has uh, trained all of us to think. But. Uh, 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 I, I think that they've done the right thing. They're investigating it. They're suspended the person, um, and and uh, I'd like to I'd like to see the tape to kind of put it in the in the context. Have you had a chance to look at it, or have you just uh, read the, the the headings as well? Yeah, I just I just glanced at it. They then so I think what it shows it says I think his video is less than a minute long, but there is um, body cam. Um, mm-hmm. 31 minutes of the officer's body cam footage. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I would like to, I would de- definitely like to see that. I'd like to see both, but I would definitely like to see um, what actually, you know, from the officer's perspective, um, you know, because a lot of stuff t- 
cue is taken from either the person's perspective or uh, other people nearby. And a lot of times we don't get a chance to see that uh, body cam because I, I, I think also, too, I mean, it gives a better, like a, a well-rounded picture of, of exactly mm-hmm. what happened and things that, you know, the officer probably is that the camera would show that the officer may be caught up so much in terms of what's going on in his head that he may have missed, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe mm-hmm. maybe this guy wasn't doing what you thought he was doing, you know, not necessarily in this particular case. I'm just talking about in general, you know. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, you know, you have kind of a, a narrative in your head, but cameras don't mm-hmm. necessarily have narratives. Uh, cameras just show what they show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I mean, be I, yeah. Well, let's, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'd like to know who the guy is. Uh, yeah. Because it you know, like, and, and then it they, doesn't give his name. They, I need to find that out. Well, I, I, here's what I would bet. If I were a betting man, I would say the officer who made these statements was Latino. Because the structure mm-hmm. of the way it was said is not the way a white man talks. And he's probably going to claim that he has some Afro-Latin descendancy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so again, they flip the argument, right? You know, so he's being accused of racism. He's going to say, you know, he's black too. And so then the, the belief is, well, if you're black too, you can't be racist, right? That's kind of, that kind of negates it, which doesn't make any sense. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee if we go to his employment file in Miami-Dade, he doesn't have him listed as uh, self-identified as black. But, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I'm I interested in this. we gotta, we got to see if we can pull up some facts. If I, if I would have known about it, I would have had my staff uh, pull it up and brief me on it. That's okay. You, you, when, when you, when you get the the four one one, you're welcome to come back, and we can talk about this. I'm I'm looking at another article that BET had, and it doesn't have this um, officer's name either. It was a a motorcycle cop, from what I see, um, but um, it doesn't. It still doesn't have the officer's name. So, and, and that's right. interesting. Is like, you know, why why hasn't that been released? Right. You you yeah. have the uh, the well, other person's name that's released. Well, I'm looking at uh, something here funny. I, as you're talking, I pulled up something from a day ago, and the uh, there was a, a a commission meeting on racial equality within Miami Police Department, and the former union head, Captain Javier Ortiz, who's uh, mm-hmm. a very influential cop. Uh, who's been accused of racism and brutality against black citizens in numerous cases and lawsuits, claimed that he was black, and he also referred to black men as Negroes. Uh, He says, I'm a black male, he said. Uh, Yes, I am, and I am not Hispanic. I was born in this country. That's how I feel. However, um, uh, uh, he was caught lying about his race, on a 2014 lieutenant's examination and a 2017 captain's application, his original file with uh, Miami uh, Police Department says he's a white Hispanic. You see, so th- so this is exactly what I'm saying, right? They play mm-hmm. on this. this. This comes out of like a textbook in the way that they, they look at these kinds of issues. And so, you know, let some Latinos play on this because think about it. You know, Cuba is really 80% black, right? And they and, and Cubans identify as Cubans, but they're black mm-hmm. Cubans. They're Afro-Cubans, right? Puerto Ricans often will identify as white uh, or Latino, but the majority of them have some form of African blood because Puerto Rico was a slave plantation. So there is this, there is this identity issue uh, in, in the Latin world with blackness that I think we, we haven't come to a head and really had a conversation about. Sometimes I think black people let Latinos move in and out of uh, black spaces too comfortably without really putting mm-hmm. down this issue of who, you, who who are you and how do you identify, right? Because we're a diverse community as black people. Right. We have people from every every background, including black Latinos, which is wonderful, which is, which is our strength, quite honestly. Uh, however, right. 
uh, when it's manipulated, because in the Latin community there is a lot of anti-black bias and all the attitudinal yes. studies demonstrate that. We don't talk about it because we see each other as these kind of great people of color. The problem is the only people disadvantaged by the greater notion of people of color are black people because everyone else wants to attach themselves to us because we are the standard bearer for color in this country. And I think we have to move away from it. I don't like the term. I don't use it. I use black. I use African-American. I use African. Uh, and when you don't act right, I use Negro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And, yeah, I mean, that that is a discussion that needs to be had, had, I think, in the Hispanic community. And I don't know what kind of discussions they're having. And I, I really probably would like to have someone on the show to talk about it because I do know, for example, I had a, a coworker one time. We got along great, and we would have those, you know, very honest discussions about race and stuff. And she said, you know, and I think her background was Cuban. And she said one time, she said, you know, I could hang out with you all day here and everything, but down home. And she was, like, um, from Miami, and I think she had uh, her parents were, were Cuban. It's like, I could not take you home, you know, because of, of the way they yeah. felt about black people. Or well, African American well, people. Well, you know? I mean, they, they, Cuba was a slave plantation as well, right? And mm-hmm. and, and and there's this saying, right, that that you'll find in many uh, of our Latin brothers' households that uh, you can be my brother, but you cannot be my brother-in-law, right? Mm, so, no. so 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 there is a color line issue. There is a color line issue all over the world. It's not. It's not it doesn't begin and end there. We have it within our community uh, mm, as well. Yes. Uh, yes. But but it is it is very pronounced in um, in, in 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 other communities, and we tend to give people a pass because it's in us. God puts something in us that allows us to embrace people as long as they don't demonstrate racism. The problem mm-hmm. is a lot of that racism is permissive. Like what you just mm-hmm. referred to is that permissive racism, or you know that 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 one Latino child that's darker than the others, who is mm-hmm. not valued as high in the family because they're darker, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and we're using broadisms, but these things I found to be generally true in my life, and, and in the lives of the people who have surrounded me, and I've lived all over the country and all over the world. Mm-hmm. Dr. Levitt, thank you. You are welcome back. Just let us know when you want to come back. Really appreciate it. And uh, before you go, please give us the details in terms of how we can contact you or contact uh, the Stono Institute. So anyone who has a problem with law enforcement or wants to get some free de-escalation training, uh, they can call 1-888-FIGHT-10. That's one 1- 888-FIGHT-10, 1-888-FIGHT-10. And one of my staff will pick up the phone and uh, will be there to, to, to listen carefully to what your concern is. Uh, you can also visit us at thestonoinstitute.com. That's S-T-O-N-O institute.com online. And you can submit your name to us, and we'll put you in our database. And when we send things out for opportunities to participate in seminars, uh, that will okay. give us a chance to be in contact with you. Thank you so much. You take care and be blessed. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This is the G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Talk to you tomorrow.
the highest praise. 